The information in this podcast is not a substitute for help from a licensed mental health professional. Welcome back to episode 69 of the Practice of Being Seen podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Wong, relationship therapist and mentor to therapist change makers. The Pops Cast is a collection of weekly connectfulness conversations where we examine how to create deeply restorative ripples of transformation within ourselves and within the world around us. I had the chance of chatting with two friends, Eva Tenuto and Haley Downs, and we discussed the transformative power of sharing your story. Eva's the co-founder and the executive director of the TMI Project. She studied acting at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and went on to found the Women's Experimental Theater Group. In the last eight years, Eva has brought the TMI Project from her living room to a host of performance spaces, high schools, colleges, detention centers, mental health facilities, and the United Nations. You might recall Eva from episode eight of the Pops cast in season one, where storytelling meets activism. And Haley Downs is a writer, storyteller, and documentary filmmaker. Haley moved to upstate New York from Brooklyn four years ago, where she's been focusing on writing and her work as a TMI workshop facilitator. And you might be interested to know that I connect so deeply with TMI Project's mission, Change the World One Story at a Time, that I moonlight as a TMI Project workshop facilitator myself. Twice a year, the TMI Project offers a 10-week memoir writing and true storytelling workshop specially tailored to meet the needs of the Mental Health Association here in Ulster County. A documentary about their partnership entitled Vicarious Resilience is going to be released on May 29th, 2018 at the Rosendale Theatre here in New York. This short documentary highlights the experience of three participants as they go through the workshop from the first session to the final storytelling performance before an audience of over 100 and a final follow-up session where they voice the ways in which they experienced positive transformation. I think now would be a great time for us to share an audio clip of the trailer for that film. really clearly the first time that I walked into a mental health association workshop with TMI Project and sat for the first time with a group of people who all have mental health issues and are all talking about it openly. Well, I think it would be helpful for me to come to terms with my past because it's kind of like a secret what's going on and what's happened. I read the literature saying, do you have a burning story to tell? I realized that I didn't really. People are anxious about their stories because they're afraid of revealing things. We always focus on getting people to tell the too much information parts of their story, which we identify as the parts that they usually leave out because they're too ashamed or embarrassed to share them. People don't come to this group because they need help. People will come to this group because they want to express themselves. What do you want that you don't have? A chance to explain my illness. You overcome stigma, one person at a time, one attitude at a time, one family at a time. That is where the healing works. He treats me 
not like a self-destructive floozy, which I am, <laughs> but a secret princess, like the funniest, smartest princess you've ever met. When you hear someone tell their true story, you get to see things about them that you wouldn't, just going through the world with them. I think I have a story to tell. At 11 years old, I asked my mother if I am an orphan. It's my way of saying she's coming up short as a mother. People don't know in themselves their stories of resilience and their stories of strength. Me cried like how my father cried when he found out I had mental illness. I'm not sure why he cried. It's not like I died. I still have my whole life in front of me. You can really get a window into somebody. They're human beings who have human experiences very much like your human experiences. So in this episode, Eva, Haley, and I are going to discuss what makes for a good TMI story and why divulging the parts of our stories that we usually leave out, the parts we're usually too ashamed or embarrassed to share, and the parts that others most want to hear, helps participants turn their pasts into testimonials of survival, dispelling old shame and inspiring others. As Eva says, we can't heal what we don't talk about. Our culture's perception around mental illness is shifting. The Vicarious Resilience Initiative is hoping to facilitate a deeper shift in compassion and understanding. Dive in with us and discover how the ancient art of storytelling can help to eradicate stigma, improve mental health, and create a truly inclusive community. This is Vicarious Resilience. Welcome back to the Practice of Being Seen podcast. I'm here today with two dear friends, Eva Tunito and Haley Downs. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. I'm really excited you guys are here. We've been working together a bit lately. We've been spending quite a lot of time together lately, and we have some events this weekend as we're recording. But you're both with the TMI Project. Why don't we just start by having you tell us, Eva, a little bit about what the TMI Project is is and how it was conceived. And then we'll talk about what you're up to. Sure. Well, TMI Project is a nonprofit organization that uses storytelling and true personal narratives, often for social justice movement building, where we're using this in terms of mental health is to use true storytelling as a way to eradicate stigma around mental illness. And we've been working in partnership now for the last four years with the Mental Health Association of Ulster County, taking people who live with mental illness through the whole process and methodology, which always culminates in a live performance of their own true stories. And so most recently, what we did with them was document the entire process of one of those 10-week workshops. The documentary will specifically follow three participants through the 10-week journey of what it's like to come in not knowing what story you might want to tell, finding through a process and trusting the creative process and going through the experience, the story kind of coming to life and unfolding before you, and then collaborating with the workshop leaders to edit those stories into 
well-crafted monologues that are then performed on stage. So that is what we're working on now and debuting at the Rosendale Movie Theater on May 29th. It's called Vicarious Resilience. And I've had an opportunity to see a rough cut of it. And it's amazing. And I think it really well documents. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) I think it really well documents the TMI process, which I know from Mm -hmm. the inside as well. And so I wanted to introduce Haley also. Before we go too much further, though, I just want to let my guests know that we interviewed you, Eva, a while back. It was episode number eight of the Practice of Mm Being podcast. And that episode is called Where Storytelling Meets Activism. So if folks want a Mm. a deeper dive and they want to get to know you a little bit better, they can also listen to that episode, which I think will complement. Yeah, I think that was just a little bit over a year ago that we had that conversation. Yeah, it was. And it was a wonderful conversation. I already felt like I was connected and knew you and I felt like I got to know you so much better. There were so many gems that Mm. came out of that talk. I actually want to start with one of those gems because... Something you said Mm. then that I found really profound, and it's probably been one of the things that's driven me to stay connected to the TMI project, is that you had said then that something shifts when you get up on stage and you tell your story. Mm -hmm. It's as if the memory that you have to the moment that an incident may have happened, that when you look back, the memory is now of the performance on stage. Instead of the original trauma, right? And so... Mm it interrupts the thought process. So prior to having that new memory, when you think about that life experience, all you have is the trauma to go back to, to return to. And when you bring this new thing in that you feel differently about, that you feel proud of, that you've used to inspire other people, that now interrupts the way that you think about that life experience. And actually, I think Haley has a really good experience that she could talk about with that happening from when she took the workshop the first time. I think that would be a great idea. Hallie, are you willing to go there? Absolutely. (laughs) And I think it can happen in a couple different ways. When I took the workshop the first time, I didn't know what I wanted to write about. My expectation when I got into the workshop was that I would just be writing constantly for the two days we were together. It was a weekend workshop. But I found that we spent a lot of time writing and then reading to each other and talking about it. And the story that fell out for me was a story of the day of my 10th birthday party when my lunchbox that I had stored in my room after school one day and forgotten about exploded with maggots an hour before the party was supposed to start. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm sure that in the moment that was a really horrific experience, but as you're saying it even just now, Eva and I are both Chuckle. <laughs> I, know. I know, which is amazing because my whole life I've carried it with me as just this horrible, dark stain on my past. Like I really, really felt that way. It was not a funny story to me. And I wrote the story feeling all of that pain from being 10 years old and really felt like it was this tragic monologue I was reading. And what happened instead is that everybody started laughing. And laughed and laughed, and I had no idea that was going to happen. It was an incredible boost to me to make people laugh using this story that had been so horrible for you know almost four decades. And it's exactly as you say, this is now this bright spot in my life. That memory of making people laugh and that memory of this wild story has absolutely replaced all the sadness from that terrible day when I was a little kid and had my tender psyche kind of wounded. Yeah, it's so empowering. Uh, You know, 
I'm glad that you're leaving us there. You're saying that it's empowering because there's that wondering, right? As we take a story that you've been carrying that's been so heavy that has had this imprint and this profound imprint on you for so much of your life and then we're listening to you tell it and we're laughing. Yeah. There, there's a, you know, a question mark, like, is this good? Is this a good thing? And what I'm hearing you say is that it was actually another profound moment. Yeah. And I think I've said this before, like, I wish I could do a TMI workshop for every painful memory I have. <laughs> like I could just make a list and then just work through them because it just like removes it from the box of things you're sad about. Oh, I love that. Amazing. That is amazing. Well, and so I think we need to dig in a little bit here because, you know, so Haley and I are both new TMI project facilitators. And Mm -hmm. from what I'm gathering about this process, I mean, we're really asking participants to dive into the ugly, shameful, murky, darker stories, the TMI stuff, the too much information stuff, the parts of their lives and their stories that they carry and they don't ever share. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, we're also asking them to show up in a really willing way to unlock something, aren't we? We are. And I think that, I mean, now that you guys have both gone through leading a workshop or two, you know, we're very careful about what we ask them to unfold in front of us and to push their comfort zone, but to not go so far over the edge that they're moving into territory that doesn't feel safe to explore. So, you know, it's a fine line. Like we do want people to tell the too much information to talk about the parts of their stories that they're ashamed of or embarrassed about still. And yet we trust the participants to come to the table knowing themselves and knowing what their threshold is for where they want to explore and what they want to dive into and then help them find the balance, help them find where they're going to feel like they've pushed far enough to really go through something transformational, but they haven't gone into such a far place that they're not going to be able to come back from it. And so we make it really clear from the beginning through a lot of guidelines that we set up ways that we create a safe space, talking about writing from your scars and not your open wounds, like to really look at things that you have done some work on already and have some healing around. And also, I mean, just from a very straightforward storytelling place that you have some time and distance from, because without having time and distance, you can't have perspective. You can't know yet what you learned from that experience. And what we want to know from a good story is how did this experience change you? How did it transform you from someone who was starting the story to who you ended up being at the end? And that's something that only perspective can do. And I think this is maybe we're just slowing this down for a minute in this at this point of the conversation, but I think maybe it's worth just defining what a good story is because right. Stories have arcs in them. It's not just a recreation mm-hmm. or retelling of something that happened, but we're really looking to build that arc. Maybe Eva or Haley, could you describe a little bit what a good story is? Sure. You know, what we identify as a good TMI story specifically is a story that reveals something about you that might be uncomfortable to share. That doesn't mean, and we tell people this too, that you have to dive into being a part of like a trauma competition. That's not what we're doing, but we want it to be something that feels like you are revealing who you really are, like really touching into the place of your humanity. And 
We also want participants to share a story about an experience that really shifted their identity. So, you know, we want you to have recognized something about yourself or your own behavior or who you are as a person from the time the story began to this time the story ended. So, you know, there's one example that I cite sometimes about some a story that wasn't a good story for the stage. There was a participant who wanted to tell a story about how awful his neighbors were. And every story that he told was more awful than the next. They were really awful neighbors to have. But those were journal entries. Like every time I said, well, what's your part in it? Or how did you participate in this dynamic? He couldn't come up with anything. And so I wasn't saying that's not a valid experience, but it's not a good story for the stage. That is maybe something you want to write about in your journal, but not a story that is going to have the audience really see you as the main character going through an arc or some way that you change from the beginning to the end of the performance. And that's what we want to provide for people. Were you as the storyteller or the hero of the story? Yes. Or, I mean, maybe not the hero, but definitely the main character. You know, there might be, maybe there is another hero in your story, but you're telling it from your point of view. So if your grandfather is your hero, you're still not telling your grandfather's story. You're telling your own story, your own version of what happened to you in his presence, if that makes sense. That makes good sense. Yeah, I think having that distance and time, the insight you have into experiences when there's a little space is what you layer in to help the audience understand what happened to you. Because if it's unfolding as it happens, then all you can really do is report on the details. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that that's probably really key also because as things are still happening to us, we don't really know what we're okay about sharing. Yeah. Right. That distance helps us have some perspective, as Eva was saying. I think there's another really interesting thing that I've witnessed happen in the workshops. And I would love for both of you to talk into this. But in regards to stigma, I know that the stories when people get up on stage and they share their stories have a profound effect on the audience and the people who hear them. And I want to talk more about that. But before we do, I also want to talk about what just happens in the workshop. You know, all, all of those like me too experiences that happen to you too. There's something really profound about that also. And I think it's something about that holding environment, that experience that's created there that actually lets participants start opening themselves up. Well, it's actually one of the reasons why I'm so excited to share this film because we've never been able to tell the story of what happens from the beginning to the end of the workshop. And so, you know, for the last eight years that I've been teaching these workshops, Myself and Sari Botten, who I had been leading workshops with primarily, were the only ones who were seeing people before they came in the door and then what they were like after they stepped off stage. And the general audience got to see the performance, but they didn't get to see the full transformation of the person. And so I'm so excited about the documentary because it's the first piece that we have that really tells the story of the workshop so that we can bring the audience in and let them see how it unfolds. That's part of why I'm really excited about the film. I know that you can both also talk about what it's like to go through. And I mean, I can speak from there as well, but we're finally going to have a way to be able to share that story with our audience, which is exciting. You want to talk a little bit about the film? You want to talk a little bit about, I know, Heli, you're in the film as a Mm -hmm. participant in the workshop. 
So maybe we can talk a little bit about your experience and just what that particular workshop was like and give us a little teaser around what we might be looking for in the film. Yeah, it's interesting that my background is in documentary. So I've been on the other side of the camera quite a bit. And when I learned that there would be a documentary that was being made in tandem with the workshop, I thought about that and then very quickly forgot, as you do, that there were cameras in the room. So the (laughs) sense that, you know, you're just in it, you know, that you just sort of absorb the camera person and the microphone just into your reality and you forget So it'll be really interesting to see what actually happened, because that's going to be different than my memory of it. Well, what I thought was so interesting and what I observed as a facilitator is that it doesn't matter what you think you're going to write going in. If you trust the process, you're going to write the thing that you need to write. So there's a part of it where you're being guided by the workshop participants, but you're also being guided by yourself because the prompt, what's so key about A, the safety that's developed at the very beginning. I remember feeling aware that even Sari were really building like a lot of safety for us all and being really intentional about the the environment that was created so that we could all sort of like go out and come back in together. But there was a moment when I had to tell myself just to kind of trust that what was happening was going to be okay because I was so frantic about using this time because I was using the time when I was supposed to be working and I was like blocking off time on my calendar and coming to this. So I was frantic about making sure that the time that I was spending in this workshop, I was really writing and getting a lot done and being really productive. And at one point I realized that I just had to trust that something was going to happen and I didn't know what it was and it was going to be okay. And that was a good moment for me because that's when I could just write without worrying that it was all going to be useful for my memoir or whatever. It was, that's when I think it became more of a transformative experience. And what I see on the other side of the table as a facilitator is literally a visual blooming of the people that come into the workshop. There's this kind of weight that's on you when you come in because you have this story that needs to come out of you. And I literally could see people's bodies moving, you know, upward. It was amazing. And I'm sure that that's exactly what happened to me and what we'll be able to see in the film with all of the workshop participants. Eva, do you see that also? I certainly saw it in the workshop that we just recently ran. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, the workshop we just ran was with teens through the Maya Gold Foundation. And there was one young woman that I worked with. We both worked with her. And I said to her the last day, you look like a different person than you did yesterday. Like it was a two-day workshop and she looked like a different Mm -hmm. young woman. Yeah. It's really incredible. And that lightness is what I see over and over again. And, you know, in the beginning of teaching these, I would watch that happen over and over again. And I remember one woman coming in and she shared so honestly and she went to such a deep place and she left completely transformed. And I still had areas of my story that I was being secretive about, that I was still protecting and that I didn't feel comfortable sharing. And when I watched her walk out of that weekend retreat, I thought, I want what she just had. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm sharing more bravely again the next time I do this. And so I feel like 
we also all inspire each other. I think it's one of the really different things about writing in community rather than writing alone in your office by yourself is that we change the stories that we are willing to tell by hearing other people share their stories as well and getting feedback from a group of people and feeling supported and seen and heard. It really makes a difference. It really does. You know, I'm so glad you said that because I remember my first time going through a TMI workshop as a participant and I was struggling as a therapist does to tell my story. And often Mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of surfacey kind of things or telling stories about other people. And I think we had a few conversations around this and, you know, in months and God, it's probably been years now, right? Since then. I've realized that part of the reason I was having so much trouble just in my own introspection is because some of the stories that have made me who I am are stories that also might put a shadow on somebody else in my life. Yeah. And I've been afraid of that shadow. But what I've noticed that I've done since then, just since that moment, I'm not necessarily writing into those stories right now, but I've been opening up conversations with those people that have Mm -hmm. allowed me now that I can sit down and start writing into those stories because now we have a different understanding. Our relationship has shifted just by my awareness that I wasn't telling those stories for that reason. Right. Yeah. It's interesting how we can compromise our own sense of freedom so that we can protect other people who we've had experiences with and you know, that exact thing is what was stopping me. When when I watched that woman leave the retreat, I thought, I still refer to things that I've been through as these were the secrets that I grew up keeping in my family, but I don't tell what the secrets are. That's how I would refer to them in the early versions of my story. And I remember I met with my mom after that retreat and I said, listen, I have an opportunity to publish a story. and I'm going to do it with or without your blessing. Of course, I would really like to do it with your blessing, but I am going to write my story either way. And she did give me her blessing and I wrote it, but I knew that by not saying I was going to compromise, I felt like I became an adult that day. Like that I got to say my story is is as important as protecting you. Can we pause there for a minute? Because I feel like for so many humans, that is a pivotal moment. Just to get to the point where one can say, my story is as important as protecting you. Like that is a transition into adulthood. That is a claiming of responsibility for how you're going to walk this world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It really is. And I think people have to be willing to face what the repercussions are after having that conversation or after telling that story. And if you don't want to, then it might not be the right time. There are some memoir teachers who will say, you should write whatever you want and don't worry about what anybody thinks and your relationships will all be fine. I don't agree with that. I think that I have seen relationships crumble after someone has told a version of their story and not get better again. Whether or not someone feels like their freedom is more important than that relationship is up to them. And, you know, after I did publish that story that my mom gave me the blessing to publish, she was really upset. And Mm -hmm. once she read it and saw what I was writing about, it had an impact on our relationship. 
I was lucky enough that she was willing to go to therapy and we worked through it together. And not everyone has that opportunity. You know, not everyone is working with somebody who's willing to do the work that comes out of facing what you've both gone through together. And I know, Haley, you come from a very different perspective on that from writing about your experience with your mom and maybe you could talk a little bit about that too because you also made the same choice, but your relationship is very different. Yeah, I mean, I don't have the kind of mom that I'm going to go to therapy with and (laughs) work through it, but it's not something I would say that I feel fully settled about. It's more, I'm of different minds about it, depending on when you ask me. For the Mm -hmm. most part, I think that my desire to tell the story comes from a good place. It's I don't believe that when I tell my stories about my mother, that I'm coming from like a vengeful place, which I think is important. Mm -hmm. I also know that I've tried to not write about my mother and I always write about my mother. So I'm just going to keep writing about my mother until I don't need to write about her anymore. Uh (laughs) And I've expressed all of these things to my mother and like nothing should be surprising to her. And I feel like if she did, it's unlikely that she would be able to, she lives in Tennessee and she's unlikely that she would make it to a performance, but I would like to think that I actually don't think that she would receive anything I say with any surprise. So I don't know. I'm imagining that you can hear that I do have some conflict about talking about my mother because she's still alive. But I generally come away feeling like I'm telling the truth. I'm telling things I've told her. I think that when I do tell my story, I get a lot of feedback that it's helpful. And that matters. Yeah. I want to step into this because I'm a relationship therapist and so Uh much of the work I do is about helping people tell their truths, Mm -hmm. right? And that is the way to heal relationships often when we aren't making the space for people to tell their truths and to hear them and to take in what their perspective of the truth is, then we're just asking people to go kind of hide under the rug and not make space for them. And that's a space where we can't be in connection. It's only about power. So truth-telling is a way to come back into intimacy. It's a way to repair relationships. So I think there's also something really profound about that in this process Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. terms of what it's Mm -hmm. unlocking and what it's opening up. Absolutely. And I know that from watching people go through it and, you know, Haley, the story that you tell about your experience, this last one that is documented in the film, actually, Mm -hmm. there are so many people who identify with that mother-daughter dynamic who have not been able to share their story because, you know, that's a story that you're not supposed to talk about. Yeah. And feel so much relief from having heard it that I feel like even if it doesn't repair the relationship with your mom, there are still relationships that are being repaired between you and audience members from people being able to be seen. I know that one of the things that you said that I thought was so powerful was that having the audience hear you made you feel like what you see and what you heard was true because for so long you were treated like it wasn't true. Like it was not what was happening. Yeah. And so that's been some of the feedback that I've heard. Like I've never been able to share that part of my relationship and it felt so good to have visibility to have someone share my version of that story, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a big piece of what the TMI project does, right? Because all the storytelling, we're talking about relationships, we're talking about mental health issues, we're talking about destigmatizing some of these really difficult conversations and stories that people hold within themselves. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I find that this is a really big part of the process because I know, you know, TMI Project is bringing a lot of difficult conversations to light. There's certainly the conversations that you're having with folks at the Mental Health Association with this partnership, but you partner with a lot of different groups also. And the theme that I'm sensing through all of this is about to get rid of the stigma and help people open up and have the true conversations that they want to be having. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm a strong believer that we can't heal what we don't talk about. And there's so much that we're not talking about that needs to come to the surface. And, you know, the issue of mental illness, this is one of the things that I share in the film is about the first day that I taught at the Mental Health Association and something profound happened for me that I wasn't anticipating. I got there and sat in the room with everyone and a lot of the people who are in the workshop are clients of MHA who receive services there. They are very accustomed to talking about having mental health issues because they're in counseling, they're getting therapy, they're getting services. And so it's a really open environment. And as we were sharing going around the room, one after another, people were introducing themselves and saying, I'm so-and-so, I have schizophrenia, I'm so-and-so, I have bipolar disorder, I have an anxiety disorder, and I had been struggling with clinical depression for years and years and did not talk about it and felt so ashamed of having that disease. And so all of a sudden, I was in a place where it was completely okay to say that, and I ended up writing alongside of everyone else, and I wrote my own story and performed it about having a mental illness of my own. And it made me realize how much I prolonged getting help because I did not want to say out loud, I have a mental illness. And if we're living in a world where you can't even say that, where you can't admit it out loud, where you can't go to people and tell them what you're struggling with because the stigma around the issue is so big, you can't get better. And so it feels so huge for us to be able to talk about who we really are and say what we really have and what we're really struggling with so that we can get well together and live in community with one another. You know, another thing that came out of this particular piece was something that I wasn't totally anticipating, which was seeing people kind of get integrated into our community in a way that they hadn't before because some people go invisible, you know, like, There's one participant who everyone, I think Haley would agree, everyone fell in love with Morris, who is a client of the Mental Health Association, who's been there for 25 years. And people in the community now recognize him. They remember him from his story. They stop and talk to him on the street. He's got so much more connection as a result of going through the process than he did before. And that was such a beautiful thing to see as well. I'm loving this. I'm totally loving just opening up this conversation and sharing with our listeners how much this particular project ripples out into the community. And TMI Project has a tagline that I think is important for us to make note of here, too. Do you want to mention it, Eva? Oh, sure. The changing the world one story at a time. Yeah, yeah. Changing the world one story at a time. I feel like, you know, this this is so much like we can already see these ripples coming forth. We can already see how this is happening. So I'm imagining that as people watch the Vicarious Resilience film in Rosendale on Tuesday, May 29th, that's a plug, go watch (laughs) it. But as people start seeing this film and 
I'm guessing they're going to want to know how they can get involved. I'm guessing they're going to want to know what they can do. And I'm especially putting out a call to the mental health providers in our listening audience, because I think this is something that we all need to really pay attention to. I think we can learn from what's happening here in the storytelling project. So do you want to talk a little bit into how people can get involved? Sure. Well, like you said, I hope people will come and see the screening in person, all of those listeners who are local. We also, you know, you can go onto our website, tmiproject.org, and sign up for our mailing list so that you can get informed about all of the new things that are happening. And our long-term plan for this project is to develop programming so that we can work with mental health professionals and teach them how to use our storytelling methodology in their private practices and in their group work. Which doesn't necessarily mean getting on stage and performing, but it means using the methodology on a one-on-one or group basis, correct? Right. Like We wouldn't train people to be able to produce full theatrical performances, but there's huge power just in the process of going through the methodology up until that point of creating and crafting your story in a safe environment and scripting a narrative for yourself that serves you well. And there have been a lot of therapists who've talked to us about being able to use this work. And so I think this is really going to open doors to make that possible. I'd like to talk into that a little bit, too, as both a participant, a facilitator, and a therapist. Because I noticed that I've used this type of the prompts with my clients clinically. I've given them little things to think about and write into, and then we explore that stuff together. But then there's also something that I think that just this last workshop really kind of keyed me into, and it's in the editing process. When we start pulling those different writings together that they wrote from these prompts, and we start reshaping them, it's almost though as we're playing with a piece of clay and remodeling it, making it from one thing into something else. And I think Uh there's a beautiful collaborative process that can happen there in the therapy room when a therapist and a client are doing that piece of work together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sure you have seen this a lot in your therapeutic work because you've been doing that for a long time and maybe have even seen it in the couple of workshops that you've taught that, you know, I've experienced it with my own work in therapy where the therapist can help me make connections that I was not able to make on my own. It actually just happened in my session yesterday (laughs) where like I had this light bulb moment because he was able to put one thing with another that I had not been able to make the connection for on my own. And it was really powerful. And I feel like that is something that happens in our process as well, is that we have people write and we are trained to listen for themes and listen for connections. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we're looking for. And when we can help people identify how their writing goes together, how their stories have connections that they might not have been able to see prior, you can just see the light bulbs going off throughout the workshop experience. It's really beautiful. Yeah, I feel like as an editor, when you're editing these stories, there's like a dance that you're doing with the subconscious of the participant. In the prompt writing process, you're just spilling out of your brain everything that you think, both good and bad. And especially in this last workshop, I saw that the participants were giving themselves hopeful messages, like even in the midst of a really hard story about something that could even be traumatizing that had happened to them. 
And in those instances, like you just pull out that hopeful message and share it back with them so that it's clear that that happened. It's incredible like how much of it actually exists in these free rights. I mean, it's really all there and sometimes you're just moving it around so it's definitely more clear to them. You know, another thing that happens too, I mean, this is part of the stage experience, but I'm just thinking about what I'm excited about for the teens who will be performing tomorrow is that often when we look back at our own experience, we only see what was hard about it. And we don't necessarily take ownership of our own strength and resilience to get through it. And I think when we get them to focus on those lines and take ownership of their strength, and then they get to say those words on stage in front of a group of people, they own a power that they didn't necessarily have full connection with prior. And I'm especially thinking about a couple of teen girls that are going to perform tomorrow night who are going to get to say that they are really strong and that they've overcome things and own that space on stage in the spotlight. I'm just excited to see that happen again. I'm choked up thinking about it. I'm I'm thinking about Mm -hmm. the stories that some of these teens have shared with us and imagining them on stage in front of a hundred or more people saying these words that we know are on the page and just imagining what that experience will be like in their body. Mm-hmm. I'm so... And that they're going to have it to reflect back to for the rest yeah. of their life. And it's going to be a powerful yeah. moment. Yeah. <sighs> Talk about healing. I think that's just an invitation to welcome in some space to really change a narrative. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's just put out there, there's an invitation to both sign up for the tmiproject.org's mailing list and find out more about what TMI Project is up. But also, if you're local, if you happen to be in upstate New York or you can get to upstate New York, to come see the screening of the Vicarious Resilience film, which will be Tuesday, May 29th at Rosendale Theater. And we'll have links to all of that in our show notes. Eva, is there anything else? Or Haley, is there anything else that you want to add to this conversation? I was just thinking about something Tony Porter said at an event, Voices in Action. He said, the world needs to know about TMI Project, not just the Hudson Valley. Otherwise, it's just not fair. And I was like, yes, that's exactly right. It's not fair for the rest of the world not to know. (laughs) Yeah. 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 He said we couldn't be greedy and selfish and keep it to ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in total agreement, by the way. I think the world does need to know. And I'm really glad to be sharing the TMI message. Yes. Thank Maybe, you so much. Oh, I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Eva, is there going to be a way that folks who aren't local can see this film? Well, that's what the last thing I was going to add is that a huge part of our plan moving forward is to create more digital assets to share with people around the country and around the world. And there will be ways for people to watch the film. I'm not sure what they are just yet, but that is why I encourage everyone to sign up on the mailing list at tmiproject.org because we will be able to inform you about how to watch the film, how to sign up for online courses, and to be able to access our methodology regardless of where you live. And that's what I'm hoping we're going to be able to do in the next couple of years. Yay. And there's also lots of links on the website to find different performances, past performances. Yes. People can really just immerse themselves in TMI Project. Yes. And we've got a YouTube channel you can link to and watch lots and lots of stories and 
yeah, there's a lot to engage with already. And we'll make sure to include a lot of those different links in our show notes so that folks can easily get to them. And I promise that when TMI Project comes out with more amazing stuff, I'll also be sharing it with you. So sign up for the TMI Project mailing list, but also know that if you're here and you're with the practice of being seen, you're going to be hearing about it from you, from me too. I actually feel more excited about sharing the movie now that we've talked about it. <laughs> yeah? Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited for this movie. Just for many of the reasons that you've said, Eva, I think we need to see what the inside of the process is to really understand how the transformation happens. And I think this film does a really nice, sweet job of illustrating just that. Thank you. And, you know, I should also just give a little shout out to the head of MHA, Alan Pentagar, who's been supporting this programming from the very beginning. We can't do any of this work with partners if we don't have really good internal support. And Denise Ranahan, who is the director of wellness services, who sat in on every workshop that we've taught there. I think we've done 10 of them now. And also North Guild Productions, who shot and edited the film for us. They just did such a beautiful job. So wonderful. Oh, I was just thinking about with Denise that one of the great things about TMI Project is that they're very intentional with partners in these workshops, that there's always someone in the room outside of the participants that has some training that can step in if there are some feelings or things go too far for a participant and they need some support. And Denise was definitely that. I know that a lot of the folks in the audience are therapists and just wanted to share that. Yeah, we do have therapists and there's always someone who sits in when we teach at MHA. We always have someone if we work in a school setting. If we teach workshops just that the general public, adults over 18, sign up for, we don't always have someone who sits in, but we do always have resources available for anyone who's participating so that we can still send them to somebody who can offer more help if they need it. And I think one of the things that TMI Project does really well is empathetic listening, empathetic witnessing. So for many people who are opening something up, you're able to be with them. And I think maybe that's something that the first stage of what people need in order to realize that help is available to them. Mm -hmm. I'm a full supporter of TMI, if folks can't tell. And um, <laughs> I'm going to say it again. Go ahead and sign up for the TMIproject.org mailing list. You're not going to regret it. Good stuff coming forth in the future that you are going to want to know about. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Oh, thank thank you you both. Thank you so much. Thank you both for coming on and for sharing more about this project and about the Vicarious Resilience film. Once again, it's going to be shown on Tuesday, May 29th at Rosendale Theater in Rosendale, New York. And I want to just re-quote you, Eva. There was one thing you said that I think is a great place for us to land. And that's just that we can't heal what we don't talk about. Mm, Thank you. Thank you. So I hope that you'll sign up for the TMI Project's mailing list. And if you're in the New York area and you're able to get to the screening on Tuesday, May 29th, that you'll join us at the Rosendale Theater. I'll be moderating a panel discussion after the film, and I would love to see you there. I'm also calling together an integrative mastermind of therapists. Perhaps you're writing a book, launching a podcast or an e-course, leading retreats, starting a movement, putting yourself out there to be seen in bigger ways. There's a message that you're passionate about sharing with the world or 
there's one that's bubbling up under the surface and you just want some help figuring out what it is and honing in on it. If you're wondering how all these pieces can merge together to cultivate the life and livelihood that you envision without getting in the way of one another, then I encourage you to join the mastermind. You can learn more at practiceofbeingseen.com slash mastermind. We start in just a few weeks and there's only a handful of spaces left. So if you're interested, go ahead and grab one now. We're also still accepting limited enrollment in our Wild Women discussion groups. They meet online the last Thursday of the month through September. We're journeying together and remembering who we are, what we're made of, and why we're here. Link to join in our show notes. The Practice of Being Seen podcast is produced by me, Rebecca Wong, along with the amazing behind-the-scenes support of Christy Hausler. You're welcome to send us an email at practiceofbeingseen at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Music by Chris Ferris Jr. and Sr., produced by Kidney Stone Studio. We hope that you enjoyed the show and that you'll join us next week for another episode of The Popscast, brought to you by Connectfulness. Connectfulness.